We're back to the Neil Haley Show here on the Total Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome to the program Keisha Knight Pulliam of, again, the Cosby show we know her from, all these other films, and we're going to talk about My Brother's Keeper. Keisha, thanks for stopping by. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm good. I'm good. I have to ask you that question. When you were on the Cosby show, did you know it would be that big at your age when you were shooting it? And did you understand how much of a star you were at that time period? Absolutely. No? no? Didn't know whatsoever. You know, I was four when I started on the show. I was actually the same age that my daughter is right now. Wow. And, um, you know, I've been acting my whole life since I was nine months old. So, you know, to me, it was regular life. It was just what I'd always done. Um, and I probably like, even as I got older, and I, I think part of it was because like, we filmed the Cosby show in New York, unlike a lot of shows at the time. Most shows were filmed out in LA. And I'm originally from Jersey. Right. So okay. it wasn't a big change per se, um, just in my, in my world. Um, but I don't think, you know, it wasn't until um, I, I'm a graduate of Spelman College and um, we're in, I was a sociology major with a concentration in film and literally we're talking about us and the work that we did on the right. show, the impact that it had when I think it kind of, I started to really understand the magnitude. It, absolutely. And everyone just grew up watching that. There's not shows like that anymore. Meaning, yeah. you know, where you have a show that because there was not so many options as there are today, right. where you sit down and you're like, okay, I'm going to watch the Cosby show. That's all that's on right now. You know, <laughs> and it's like, and we're not going to watch it on DVR. We're going to watch it at that specific time. VR didn't exist. You yeah. have to have a VCR. Right. Put tape in and then replay it. So, you know, I'm just, I'm grateful that, you know, I've been able to, you know, be in this business for four decades at this point and to do work that resonates with generations of right. people and that, you know, children today, you know, are just getting able to experience um, the Cosby show and so many other other projects. That and I've that's had. the other thing is it's on every day. So you're constantly in syndication forever and ever it'll never end right people will be watching the cosby show and you'll be 60 years old and they'll be talking about your time in the cosby show it's not too far yeah. away yeah i know exactly <laughs> life life after the cosby show how, how so you went to college it's great so tell me this what made you did you always want to say i'm gonna even though i was successful as a child actor i have to go to college what was the set thing because like some of them are like okay i'm gonna move on to other projects and go what kind of made you want to do that it never occurred to me not to I always knew I was going to go to college. Um, I actually decided that I wanted to go to Spelman when I was about seven. We filmed on the campus of Spelman um, for the Cosby show. And I just remember falling in love and being in awe of all of these amazing, beautiful women that look like me. And um, so when it came time to apply to college, you know, my parents, my dad was like, oh, you have to apply to Harvard and this and that. Right, right. And, and I was like, no, dad, I'm going to Spelman. And I applied early decision and the rest is history. Um, I always knew that I wanted to continue acting. Um, it's definitely a passion of mine. It's something I love. However, I also have a variety of interests and passions. And even though I've continued acting, those haven't stood in the way of me accomplishing and doing other things, whether it's my nonprofit, the Camp Kizzy Foundation, um, 
that focuses on empowerment and self-esteem for youth to my spice line, Keisha's Kitchen. And I'm also the general partner of the Fearless Fund, which is actually the first venture capital fund founded by women of color, specifically investing in women of color. And we didn't set out to be that. We set out to, uh, to solve a problem and to be a part of the solution. And not until Forbes and, you know, we just had a big ad that ran during the Grammys with MasterCard for the work that we're doing. So I feel like I continue to stay inspired and do work that I love on, you know, a variety of fronts, whether it's in front of the camera, behind the camera, as well as in other fields. It's a perfect time right now. Mm-hmm. It is an absolute perfect time uh, to, to be part of this, meaning the once you know the pandemics put us in all these different things but now i feel there's an awakening in 2021 mm-hmm. in a way that we can get in touch with each other all over the world in seconds especially mm-hmm. a platform like clubhouse which i'm on all the time i live on in the media and things and how i can connect with people worldwide and opportunities and projects it just feels great to feel we're getting back to living again in a way, you know, and what we've gone through and what we've dealt through in 2020, 2021, starting to see that. Would you agree your outlook's starting to change a little bit from, you know, the challenges of 2020 to now 2021 as an actor? Well, I'm an eternal optimist, so I can't say that, you know, I've embraced this whole journey, you know, through 2020, through the pandemic, I've enjoyed life all every day as, as we've kind of gone through these uh, the new normal in these uncharted waters. I've continued to work. Uh, you you have to just learn how to pivot and change is inevitable exactly. and nothing stays the same. And for me, one thing that I always say is that, you know, happiness is a choice and yes. it's, it's about the journey, not about a destination. So I've just embraced having more time with my family. Um, and even, you know, I have worked during the pandemic. I'm working right now um, right. for that. I filmed a movie in Canada last year during the pandemic, The Christmas Aunt uh, for Lifetime. So, you know, you have a choice to either look at the limitations or look at the new doors and avenues that open as a result. I love how you're busy, Keisha. That's good because I guess I'm used to these interruptions. Trust me, when you're on Clubhouse all the time and it's hosting rooms, you're like, oh, just interruption. No big deal. Let's just move on. And that's what's cool about it. So let's all live in the podcast world that not everything's perfect or the radio world or TV world. Not everything's perfect as we see it. We're all going in a hundred mile an hour direction. So basically after Spelman College, after you graduated, then you kind of your acting career. What do you think you're best known for after college? after kind of finishing yeah. what did you say? I did, I did several movies and projects after college. I did Beauty Shop, the movie. I did Medea Goes to Jail. Um, you know, The House of Pain, which I'm currently on, is on BET now, has been filming for, you know, almost a decade at this point. That's great. Um, so I, I've done a lot. I've done a variety of, of, of lifetime movies from um, radio Christmas to the Christmas on. I'm getting ready to do another one in a couple months for this Christmas. So I've been, I've been staying. Oh, busy. you've been absolutely been successful, busy. But I like the whole entrepreneur side and the philanthropic side. That really makes you feel great. But I think that you use the brand of what you wore in the Cosby Show to keep moving forward, and that's what you've done. You've constantly seen, hey, I'm somebody because of this. But even though you don't look like the child actress that you were you're a different person. You're a different persona. You have changed and grown up to the, who you are today 
this beautiful person who is bright eyed and wants to help so many other people. But the Rudy, you know, the whole process, you know, looking at that to now today, it's a different story. So that's what's awesome about it, I think, for sure. Let's jump. Let's character that, I'm sorry, there was a character I played, but, you know, innately, this is who I am. So this transcends and becomes that becomes a part of the brand. Yes. That it's it's always part of a brand it doesn't matter your past is always part of your brand never let it go like for example i'm a former professional wrestler so i always use that part of the brand but i'm now an educator teacher entrepreneur uh radio host tv host but always it'll go back to the days of pro wrestling that's just part of who we are but we always have to use that in a conversation Cause that could be a conversation starter to meeting the next person. That's what all brand a brand is. If you are the whole brand, you can take it to the next level and make such success that you've done. So let's talk about my brother's keeper. Tell us about your role and the premise of the movie. Well, I play Tiffany and I play um, a counselor um, that works through the church. Uh, and basically it's the story of a soldier who comes home and is suffering with PTSD. I don't want to give away the entirety of the movie, but yeah. Um, you know, and it's his, his walk through faith and, and also just even the acknowledgement that help is needed. You know, a lot of times we suffer in silence, whether it's mental health, whether it's PTSD or whatever it is, excuse me, and it's important for, you know, you to reach out to the resources that are available to you to work through these things. And everybody needs help at some point. So I definitely hope, hope that this starts and, and gives space for the conversation, gives space for the mental health conversation. Exactly. Although, you know, I know I have, have, have been you know really well through this time I also recognize that a lot of people have struggled you know over this past year so I'm excited movie theaters are starting to open our world is starting to open back up and it's the perfect time to get your tickets to go to the movie movie theater to see my brother's keeper it's something that that you you can take the family to see maybe not the little littles but you know the majority of it um and do something fun as a family and then also have a great conversation starter after. Because again, PTSD, but everyone that's suffering from PTSD is not just from the military. No. It can happen from other things. And it's great to, to try to break that stigma of PTSD to understand how, ter- how terrible it is and how many people are going through it. And then also what people have gone through through the pandemic and their mental health concerns. At least that conversation's opened up through this movie. Everything, everybody has stuff. Everybody is going through things, no matter what, no matter how much money, how little money, how popular, how, you know, all of these things, people, um, people are, a lot of people are struggling silently and you would never know. So that's why it's even more important to lead with love and to lead with empathy and to lead with understanding because you never, ever know what the next person is going through. Absolutely. And so based on that, what made you, what attracted you to the film? that you got, how that happened. Yeah. Cause you know, there's lots of projects that people ask yeah. you to do. There are, there are. Um, I, I appreciated the, the script 
and you know what it spoke to. I also appreciated the the people behind it. You know, both Ty and Bishop Mackie Man Studios. They they're awesome. I've worked with them on you know another project since. Um, just great people. It's really nice when you can work with people and truly enjoy the people that you're working with. Um, and I've been really blessed to be able to do that on a variety of projects. Uh, so that's really how it came together. And my dad actually is a Marine veteran as well as my grandfather was Army. My fiance is a Marine veteran as well. So, okay. you know, it definitely is there in the family. And um, we actually shot this in a military town in Columbus, Georgia. Oh. So it's, it's, I think it speaks to a lot of different elements. And, um, you know, it's just, it's also just a way to say thank you to the people who put their lives and whose whole families, as a result, sacrifice to keep a whole country of people safe. So thank you. Uh, and thank you for their service. And this is what this film will bring is to, we're not, we're not, we're not forgetting you. We're here for you and for people to erase that stigma of PTSD for sure. And that's fantastic. Now, when is the film launching? When is the, when is it coming out? March 19th. So uh, oh, we're getting close. It's out, right. It's, it's, it's coming. We're very excited. You can purchase tickets online. Um, so yeah, if you go to, you know, my brother's keeper, there's an Instagram handle as well as I think it's MBK film, um, on Instagram and you can get all the information and my Instagram is at Keishamite.com. I'm going to put a link up there where you can go to purchase tickets and, you know, see where it's showing in your area. And current projects also you're on that you want to promote your event, all the different things. Where can we go? What's the best place to connect on all that? Well, um, you know, best place for me is at Keisha Knight Pulliam on Instagram. Um, I'm also on Facebook, The Real Keisha Knight Pulliam. But the Fearless Fund is my uh, venture capital fund that I'm a general partner of. Uh, so you can go to the fearless.fund to find out what we're doing there. Uh, Keisha's Kitchen dot com is my spice line and at camp kids camp is my nonprofit. so so when you're not filming you're totally if and not with family and not filming you're totally busy it's <laughs> yes. busy with all the other projects yes who do you think you learned that from the develop all the, the this entrepreneur's mindset this uh multiple projects mindset not just actor um you know i don't know um, it's one of those things that's always just innately been who I am, that I've never believed in limitations or boxes. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's great to be living in a time where there are no limits. And I'm grateful also, you know, not to say that everything's perfect and there's a, there's a whole lot of work that we need to do as a society. Uh, but I'm also grateful to be able to show that example to my daughter. And what I know is you don't know to dream it if you don't know it exists. So part of it is being that example to hopefully help plant the seeds for the little girls to come. Well, we appreciate you stopping by. Thanks again. And best of luck with all your projects. And thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. All right, Have take care. You, uh, you too. Bye-bye. You're listening and watching the Neil Haley Show. And we'll be back in just a moment. Neil Haley here. Lensec has been a sponsor of the Neil Haley Show and Total Media Network 
for around a year and a half. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about Lensec. Lensec has been a pioneer in IP security videos since 1998. The company is a trusted security partner with experience around the world. Lensec has experience working with customers in higher education, K-12 education, government, public safety, critical infrastructure, healthcare, commercial, and more. The physical security experts at Lensec help customers develop enterprise solutions for their complex physical security projects using our flagship software, Perspective VMS. Lensec's enterprise-level video management software, Perspective VMS, is a browser-based software that streams and captures IP security camera video. The latest version of PVMS uses HTML5 interactive features in a thin client application that is designed to provide real-time situational awareness. Access control and other advanced features are integrated into a unified security platform, creating an ability to track behavior and movement while monitoring the live or recorded video. For more information, please visit Lensec.com. And now back to the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Photographic Memory Podcast. I'm excited to welcome to the program Dr. Shannon Panzo. Dr. Shannon, how are you? Oh, doing great. How about yourself? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. It's uh, always great. Uh, we're getting close to March now. Spring is almost here, and I'm excited about our topic again. Dr. Shannon is a brain management expert. He's also a photographic memory expert as well as uh eidetic memory expert and lastly he is, does mentoring so you guys can check him out at zuxpro.com and he provides such great value and last week you surprised me when we had the conversation regarding reading i was blown away to know there's another way to read to understand material and understand it than the way we were taught in school oh well that's that's the frustrating part for most people most people find that uh, whenever they hear about this for the first time, they they smack themselves in the forehead and they go, why have I not been using this all along? Because it's been there for them all along. And that's the, that's the whole thing. That's when people really uh, start to understand that, yes, there is a, a bit of a problem out there. And yes, you can actually get more out of information than you can with reading. Um, whenever we, whenever we're born, we're born with the eidetic memory and the eidetic memory is on all sensory levels. This then gets translated into the photographic memory. That's what we then call it. The photographic memory is in, uh, something that we, since we are born with it, we keep it throughout our entire life. Now, big question is, are you using it? Probably not. Most people leave it behind because they're taught how to read. And in order to learn how to read, most people find that they are taught 180 degrees away from their natural talents that they learn so well with 
And this is why, uh, this is why, again, it's so frustrating for people because they could be doing a lot better, but they're not. And that's how, you know, that's the mental photography. Mental photography uses the photographic memory to take in starting at 25 to 50,000 words per minute while reading only gives you usually around 250 words per minute while reading gives you very little actual comprehension, which is around 5% after 48 hours. The mental photography, because it uses the photographic memory, this is a different brain function because it uses the, this different brain function, which bypasses your short-term memory. You end up having so much more of the information, 100% retention of the information for life. Then we just have to teach you how to re recall the information. Now, Neil, since you are a teacher, how long have you been a teacher? Well, be, well I guess I'm a teacher for 20 plus years. I taught nine years, but now I continue to be a teacher since I've left the classroom. So about 20 plus years. Okay. Now, as a teacher, how did, how did the establishment tell you to, how did the establishment tell you to teach children or people how to study? Well, the process of studying is a lot of memorization techniques, going over things, reading many times. There's a study method I taught, which takes a lot of time for high-level students. And you have to review the information over and over and over again, maybe four to five times to really memorize it, to really understand it and know it and live it and then memorize it and check it off till it completely gets memorized to the point where you can regurgitate all the information for a big exam. Well, whether you be in, in grade school or high school or college, how much time for every for every hour that they were spending in class with you, if they really wanted to be a top student like this, how many hours in excess of that first hour would they have to spend to really get good with the information? Well, it just goes back to the, the older they get, but once they get into high school, they're going to have to spend at least 20 hours a week studying to 25 to be a top-notch student. And when they get to college, you know it's a 40 to 45-hour-a-week job just to study, to be successful, not and that's counting outside of the classroom after you're in the classroom for X amount of hours. Right. Now let's, let's divert from that topic just a little bit. Let's say, uh, let's say you don't have that full scholarship and you don't have uh, rich parents and you're going to college and you have to work a job uh, and you have to, uh, you have to do all this study in order to keep your grades up and you're doing all this do you have time to actually have a social life? Your college years are your prime years to have fun. Do, are you going to have fun in college with that type of schedule? No. <laughs> Do you want to have a life while you're in college? Yes. Uh, so tell us how. Right. So you have to, you have to give up something in order to have a life while you're in college. And usually it, the grades suffer. Suffer, yes. Right. Now along comes speed reading, and that's, that's better, but it's, it's still based in reading, so we still have the same, uh, the same issues involved in, in that. And that is you really just 
don't get all the information and you still, even though readings, uh, speed reading is better than reading and you can do it a lot quicker, you still are not retaining the information well. So you still have that downward trend of having, you know, five to 10% afterwards. Okay. Now, essentially, this is what happens to my clients whenever they take on mental photography. Whenever you take on mental photography, you get a lot more of the information. You get a hundred, a uh, hundred times the speed of reading. Uh, maybe even up, uh, maybe easily up to 200 times the speed of reading. We actually have people that go into the millions of words per minute when it comes to what they're able to do with mental photography. So you can take that information. It goes directly into your long-term memory and it stays there for life. Well, does that sound a little bit more appealing to yes. how you can get information? Yes, definitely. What about, so we talked about that. What about taking tests now? How to study, you've said using the Zucks Pro method, we're going to learn how to study and have a life. What about taking tests? Okay. So test taking. Uh, well, I guess I should ask you that question again. If I was one of your, if I was one of your students, how would you tell me to take tests? Well, I mean, after studying, basically you set up, you go through, use process of elimination, answer the questions you know first and go back to the ones you don't know. Uh, put your time and effort into uh, memorizing everything to go into the test and understand it, you know, regurgitate the information and understand it, as we talked about in study skills, but then taking the test to make sure that you, you narrow it down to two answers. And if you're writing an essay, to make sure you wait to the last point to do the essay and have done about 25 practice essays before the test happens, and then you should be fine. Okay. And before all this, of course, most people will be cramming for test. Because the all-nighters too. The all-nighters as well. Yeah. The all-nighters, the crammers. Why? Because whenever you cram for a test, the idea is to front load your short-term memory, which is actually based in your hippocampus. It's to front load all the information that you can possibly stuff into this thing in a very short amount of time right before taking the test. Because if, uh, for instance, if you're a reader, as soon as you read something, you have 50% of the information. Well, that's not bad. But two days later, you only have 5% of the information. Well, you can't pass a test on that. So by cramming for test, this enables uh, this enables people under very stressful circumstances to go in there and hopefully pass the test. And that's what cramming is. Unfortunately, cramming does not retain that information. It does flush the information just the same as if you were, uh, if you were reading the information. So cramming isn't the best thing to do. So let's take a look at how to do things the mental photography way. Now, some of the things that you said there still do hold water, and that is the strategy of taking the test. But if you are, if you are studying using mental photography, now right away, you shouldn't expect to have miracles happen overnight. We, this is not a miracle-driven course in this regard. Right. And it takes time to retrain your mind to be able to use the photographic memory fluently and, and do it well. So 
whenever it comes to uh, your study, what we would have you do is while to, to give you a transition between your normal way of studying and studying the mental photography way, what you would do is you would mentally photograph all your information several times over, and then you set to study your normal way. Now, this will give you a transition, and eventually you will start to see the difference and you will start to feel you no longer need to spend nearly as much time actually doing conventional study, and you'll still have plenty of information and you'll start to gain more and more information, and you will start to do better on your test uh, overall. But uh, what, if, what if the average person could decrease their, let's say they could take their study time and cut it in half? Oh, boy, there would be rejoicing. What if you could take it and, and put it down into uh, 10% of what you used to use for study wow. time? Gee, party on. <laughs> what if you only had to spend 10 minutes a week doing all your study for your entire course load and getting A's and B's? Wouldn't that be neat? We have people doing it and they do it very well. Wow. And this happens, this happens in such a way and it happens quick enough where we often hear this coming back from our clients. My teacher wants to know how I cheated on their test. They want to know how I cheated on their test because I'm now getting scores that are incredibly higher than what I used to get, and I'm so much better at doing it. So let me ask everyone this. If you're born with a photographic memory and you continue using that photographic memory in life, I've met a lot of people who do this. They're the straight A student. They breeze through everything. They never study. They just get it all and it's all there. And they don't even think they're using the photographic memory, but that's actually what they're doing. And they just breeze through life. La da da. Everybody's having fun. And they're using the photographic memory that what happens is the, uh, what happens is the teacher automatically thinks that that's just a great student, right? Exactly. Okay. So that, uh, so whenever you have a poor student that suddenly raises their grade point average up to that of a good student, well, they have to be cheating. Well, it doesn't matter whether you exactly. Whether you keep the photographic memory or whether you gain access to your photographic memory, it's still your natural brain function. It's still the same thing. Exactly. And you're just raising yourself up to what those other people are doing. And you're the one that gets to have fun now. Okay. Does that sound better? Yeah, that sounds better. Now, let's look about what about people that are non-readers? What percent of people are non-readers? Well, actually, from your experience, uh, your experience in school, what what do you feel is a relative number of of the percentage of non-readers coming out of high school? Half. It's certain Half. to even 75%. Affluent school districts, only 30%. But that's still, you're looking at the law of averages. Okay. So 30 to 50%. 
25% of the people are dyslexic. That's just a known number. Correct. And there's varying degrees. Some people that are dyslexic do learn how to read. It's, it's usually stressful, but they do learn how to read. Some of those people uh, that are dyslexic are so dyslexic, they just, they can't read. It's impossible. Uh, under, you know, under normal circumstances, they can't read. There's all different devices and such that they can employ. <clears throat> some work, some don't. So there's another at least 5, uh, 5% to 25% of the people that get out, of, uh, get out of high school still don't know how to read. Have they been given the opportunity to read? Of course they have. Well, there's other things that come into play. There could be ADD. There could be... Uh, various uh, various type of impediments along the way. Uh, there's uh, many categories of, of things that are happening. Uh, so these are people that are simply lost in the cracks. They, they go through school, they're passed out of school, and they still can't read. And as you know, any, any type of uh, any type of educational-based job or profession, what do you need to be able to do? Read. You need to be able to take in the information and and actually use that information. Yeah, that's correct. Now, we, we think of this as reading, but with mental photography, mental photography allows you to take full, pay, uh, full pictures of the information. So you take a picture of the page, and your brain, you're teaching your brain to automatically disseminate all the information on the page. It's kind of like uh, if you were to have a, an Adobe PDF. The Adobe PDF is coded. Right. Well, what you're doing is you're actually, even though you see the outcome of that PDF, behind that PDF, it's all encoded. Well, what is encoded is, in this case here, when it comes to our type of information, it's quantum information. It's on a quantum physics level. So we're dealing with frequency. We're dealing with energy. And this enables us to then take that, and our brain actually does assimilate that information at that level and gives us feedback. And that's how we get feedback from mental photography. Exactly. Okay, so we're hitting it again. Unbelievable stuff now. So we don't need to study then if we can go through your course. It's expert.com. Well, you start by studying, and then as you get better and better at this, your, your study time can dissipate quite rapidly. Uh, if you, uh, let's, say you have, uh, let's say you have your final exams coming up in six months, that gives you plenty of time to not only get good at this, but to, to really gain the confidence that you need to, to do well at your test. And you will continue to do well throughout your life from that point, simply because you've already done it all. You've already taken it all on board. You've learned how to use the mental photography exactly. properly. If you come in and you say, oh, in 30 days, I have my finals. Well, your stress alone is going to kill you there. So, All right, you so know, let, right, let's get real. <laughs> right now, go to ZuxPro.com, right? Go to ZuxPro.com. ZuxPro.com, that's right. And once they go to ZuxPro.com, they can try this out, correct, right now? Well, you have to, uh, you have to actually dip your toe into the water. You actually have to 
to purchase it in order to get it. But you can try the first module for free. If you go there, you can pick up the first module of the training for free, which is Einstein's Distraction Index. Hey, that's a good deal. You get to learn how to concentrate the right way. So go to ZuxPro.com. Take care. And that was the Photographic Memory Podcast. We'll talk next week. Take care, guys. Celebrity Slots. Free spin. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download, free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets, celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download Celebrity Slots today. We're back to the Neil Haley Show. And it's always the Andrew Shackin segment. Andrew, what's going on, man? What's your talk? Okay, this is the thing. What I'm going to talk about today is something that, uh, in fact, uh, people do kind of think about. And that is the, hold on, give me a minute. Uh, This is a word about feelings. Now, when people talk about feelings, let me say this, Neil, and I include myself in this false or this mis- misconception, they're thinking about themselves. They, they're, everybody who's very, and when they think about their feelings, they're thinking about themselves, for example, and feelings are very inexact indicators of truth. I don't think so. Let me give you some examples. And you know this is true, Neil. You're, you're an experienced man. You're knowledgeable. I know you are. And ladies and gentlemen, you're equally knowledgeable. Many people misinterpret when people don't talk to them and their feelings are, are affected. It's a fact. But that person may not be thinking about you at all. They may be preoccupied. They may be busy or something. But some I'm convinced I once had a secretary, Neil, that uh, took great offense when people passed by my office and, um, and didn't talk to her, didn't greet her. Uh, that is a mistake. That person has no animosity to you because they don't talk to you. Do you think so? No, I agree completely. But don't people misinterpret it? Yeah. Some people misinterpret this. Their feelings are affected. So their feelings are misleading in this respect. They're not on the on the ball in terms of getting at the facts. And another example where our feelings are mislead us is where uh, the uh, person speaks in a way we don't like. Very often, if people are sharp-tongued or loud or aggressive, for many people, that affects their feelings, doesn't it? No, it, it totally does, for sure. It totally does, but it may have nothing to do with you. Maybe the, their, their personality. It could be they're busy. It could be they had a bad day. It could be anything. So feelings like this are off-base. That's my opinion. However, second, in our society today, Sad to say, Neil, I think it's true. Uh, feelings don't have a great, uh, a great role. And uh, let me say this. I know that people fault me for looking at the past, but I think of the past as some truth. I take it up. 
Romantic love is not part of our society today, correct? Is oh, it? not at all. No, no, it's no, not it isn't. society. And in fact, there were some fantastic Broadway shows like South Pacific is an example. Some fantastic love songs like Younger Than, Supreme, uh, Younger Than Springtime. Uh, that's one of them. And, um, and others. These were romantic concepts of life in those shows. And I think in the older movies, I'm not sure whether people see those things anymore. You got to tune in, tune in, ladies and gentlemen, on your cable TV channels, the Turner Classic Movies. You can look at the movies I'm talking about. You will see people barely touching each other, courting each other, leading to love and marriage. That was what that was the concept present in that society at that point. And it was a concept of romantic love. Another example of a song from South Pacific, Some Enchanted Evening. Ladies and gentlemen, take a look at the past. Take a look at these shows. Take a look at the TCM Clint Turner classic movies. You ever watch that, Neil? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you see those movies, am I? You tell me if I'm right or wrong. Those movies presented people as courting each other, falling in love and getting married, correct? Yes, absolutely. So, okay, I'm understanding so far, Andrew. Go ahead, continue. All right. So why do I think our society rejects feelings today? Well, one of the reasons is I, I, I don't want to say that people should be become Christians or, or Islam. They can be anything they want. It's fine with me. Correct. And I respect all religious paths and thoughts, but I think the church has less influence. And that's one reason for the decline in this respect of romantic love and of feelings. I'm convinced of it. The church had more influence in this respect, promoting marriage, correct? So romantic love. So you basically think we need to bring back romantic love. Never. It may happen in 100 years from now. I may not be around to see it. Things change very, uh, very quickly. Let me say something else. About I think that was our society in the past. And I think you would agree with me. You're a Catholic. And you know, the church had yes. more influence in this respect. Yes, yes, absolutely. Promoting family life. Yeah, no, absolutely. They did. And next thing I want to talk about is uh, the problem of the electronic culture. I'm a, I think technology is great. You're good at it. I'm bad at it. But uh, what with cell phones, emails, and, and DVDs and television, uh, feelings and relationships are not paramount. And I want to tell you about a book I read, ladies and gentlemen, by Mortimer Adler, written in 1940, uh, how to read a book. And he said this, that television is a drug for people. It leads to, I, uh, I'm, it may be good. There's a lot of good stuff on TV. I watch my share of TV, but he said for thinking or anything else beyond a basic image, it's, it's a drug. I think it's true. And also I want to say one other thing. I say the feelings have become remote in our society. The price of technology, the price of our present Present, present situation we live in, where people are easily contacted and the distance limited, the price of it is, is cutting people off at a personal level. It, we do, our society does not promote feelings and relationships. I don't think so. Uh, this is not a society, artistic society. It is not a, a society of writing, particularly. It is a society of electronic communication. Electronic communication is good, but it does bring about a loss of relationship and feelings. I hope 
ladies and gentlemen, I've said a bit about feelings, and I'll say one other thing. A child's concept of love and feelings is quite different from an adult. A child wants things from their parents. They want things given to them. They want people to love them, correct? Absolutely. And, but adults, if they're developed, if they're developed persons, they, uh, they uh, are focused on giving to people, compassion, kindness, charity. These are what a, a, a mature adult sees as feelings in love. Not getting, but giving. That's my last word on it, ladies and gentlemen. All right. I, do I do hope that a world of feelings will make a comeback. I sincerely hope so. Otherwise, we're going to have a very gray, boring, unforgiving, and no growth society. Okay. It seems to be the case today, Neil, doesn't it? There's no Absolutely. intellectual growth. All right. All right. So shackinshow.com. Appreciate the time, Andrew, and take care. Take care. Good night. All right. You listen to Neil Haley Show. We'll be back in just a moment. All right. Bye.